0: It's now time for our scripture reading, and I invite you to stand with me as I read today from Ephesians 5, 15 through 18. Ephesians 5, 15 through 18. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. May God add a blessing to the reading of this word. Please be seated. Today's message is titled, How Should We Walk? And I would like to welcome our online audience. If you want to hear more messages like this, you can do so at MiddletownPortlandSDA.org and then I also have my personal YouTube channel called Path of Prophecy and I just have to say thank you for those who have subscribed to my channel because this past week I reached the goal of getting over 500 subscribers so that is a milestone in YouTube's eyes and uh, but you know you do not despise the day of small things Uh, it's a ministry it really is a powerful ministry I never thought I'd be doing stuff like this, but um, it it really reaches people. You have atheists out there and Christians alike, and they affirm your messages or they'll attack you. You know, but uh, regardless, I I do appreciate our online audience joining us here at the Middletown Portland Church, and we we welcome you. Let's begin with a word of prayer. Father God, we want to thank you for your word. Your word is a lamp to our feet and a light. our path. It's my prayer that the grace and the power of your Holy Spirit would be here with us. I pray that you would anoint our ears that we would be able to hear, and anoint these lips that it would be able to proclaim your word and your goodness, and that our hearts would be open to you as we open the pages of Scripture. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I like to go on walks in our neighborhood. I walk with my dog. I also go on walks by myself. I walk with my wife. And when I go walking, I often see trash on the side of the road, specifically alcoholic beverage trash. And these are images of what I see. They're not all over the place, but nonetheless, they're there. Phil, you may see it in your neighborhood. I don't know. But uh, this is what comes to my mind, is that these are not left by people who are going on walks. Okay, these beer cans and these little, I don't know if they shot models or whatever they are. They're found on the side of the road. So apparently they're being thrown out by people who are driving. And uh, what, what does, uh, which means people are driving drunk. That, that's really what it means. Now, is it healthy to drive while intoxicated with alcohol? I, I only heard two people, folks. I know there's not that many of us here, but there better be more, Uh, because if you think it's healthy to be driving while intoxicated, well, I'll sit down with you afterwards. In fact, here's some statistics, okay? These are the statistics of drunk driving fatalities in a four-year period in the United States. This is from 2016, 2017, 2018, and 2019. It gives the stats on each of those years, respectively, but essentially... Uh, you're looking at a little over 10,000 people. Uh, 36,000, uh, starting with t- uh, 2016, it's 37,806, 37,473. The year 2018 had 36,560. To year 2019, 36,096. So just a little over 36,000. But of those uh, traffic fatalities, uh, 10,000 of them, respectively, out of each year, were alcohol-related. That's essentially one-third, nearly one-third of traffic fatalities every year are alcohol-related. The issue would be simply this, if you want to get home, the best advice you can give is don't drink before you get in the car. You, you, you stand a greater chance of getting home alive than if you were to drink and drive. Okay, You know, the odds are real bad if you drink and drive, that you're going to end up dead, okay? And just to drive the point home further, this is for the state of Connecticut, the 2022 drunk driving statistics by state. You can see on the bottom, this goes alphabetically. It doesn't have every state, but down there at the bottom is Connecticut. Uh, Total fatalities, 294. Of those fatalities, the percentage that involved alcohol, 45%. Just out of those, Arkansas, California, Colorado, and Connecticut, we had the highest percentage. Even though California is much bigger. Okay? They had more deaths, obviously, because they have a greater population, but we had more percentage. okay. And I'll say this, it was a very sad day for me as a citizen of Connecticut. I was not born here, but uh, I, I'm an adopted son. I'm a nutmegger, okay. and uh, it was a very sad day. That the office of governor of this state used his office to promote drinking if people would get the shot. But, anyways, I just have to say my piece there. So, why is driving under the influence so dangerous? Well, because it impairs your ability to make sound judgments. Okay? If you wanna, in other words, if you wanna think clearly, don't drink alcohol. Okay, which begs the question, how should we walk? How should we walk? And I say this because as Seventh day Adventist Christians, we are called to walk differently than the world. Okay, the world walks one way, but as Seventh day Adventist Christians, we are to walk in another direction because we have a destination, a destiny to reach and that is heaven, okay? So as Seventh-day Adventist Christians, we're called to walk differently. And this is what the Apostle Paul speaks about in our scripture reading this morning. The text says, Ephesians chapter five, verses 15 and part of verse 16 says, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time. Now. What does he mean by "see then that you walk circumspectly"? What is that when he's talking about walking? What is he addressing? Well, walking is a biblical metaphor. He's using it in this sense as a metaphor for how we are to live our lives as one who believes and chooses to follow Jesus Christ. Okay. And so, walking is a, a, a an abbreviated term for how we are to operate and think and live in this world as Christians. Okay? And what Paul says is see then that you walk circumspectly. Now that's a big word, right? Circumspectly. Four syllables. That is a big, fancy, I would say, well, you know, like a $25 word. Okay? What does it mean? Well, it means to walk with caution. Okay, it means to walk carefully, okay, without taking large risks. You know, there's people in this life who say, hey baby, let it roll, let's go for it, let's do it. Oh, that's fine if you know that the odds are in your favor, but as I shared earlier, if you uh, drink and then get behind the wheel of your car and try to make it home, you don't stand a good chance of making it there, okay? And so there's some people who are not walking circumspectly. They're not uh, living their lives very wisely. But we're called to walk circumspectly, okay? to walk with caution, to walk carefully, to not take large risks. And we are given specific instructions for how we are to walk and carry ourselves in this life. How so? Well, here's what it says. We are to walk wisely, not unwisely. Here's what Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7 says. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. The point being is that if we are given instruction, if we are given sound instruction, if we believe that the Bible is God's Word and God gives us godly counsel, but we choose to ignore it, essentially we are what? We're fools, because what we're doing is we're saying, even though God says this, I don't want to hear it, okay? And so what we're doing is we are turning our backs against God, okay? So we are called to how? We are to live wisely in this age. We are to be aware of what we encounter in this life and what we're being presented with. And folks, we are being presented with a lot of information and not all of it is good and sound, okay? Not all of it is good information, which means it's probably bad information, and not all of it is sound information, which means It's unsound, it's unwise, it's foolish information. And so we have to take all of that into perspective, but how are we going to do that if we're not thinking clearly, okay? We are to move forward always with caution. It doesn't mean we stand still. We are to move forward. There's a path that we're on. We're headed towards the kingdom. We want to be headed towards the kingdom, but we have to move cautiously and prudently. Okay, rather than with reckless abandon. This means we need to carefully consider how we use our time. Why do I say that? Well, because the text tells us this. The Apostle Paul tells us how we are to live our lives at this time in earth's history. He says, see then that you walk, what, circumspectly, carefully, cautiously, not as fools, but as wise. We need to heed the counsel that God gives us, And we need to do what? Redeem the time. Now, what does that mean? Well, you and I cannot create more time, right? All of us are given 24 hours in a day. It's not like I can say, hey, I found the secret. I opened a box of Cheerios this morning, and inside was a little package that taught me how to add three more hours to the day so that i can work a little bit extra and get a little extra money and get ahead of you or you can get ahead of me you know or whatever the case is <laughs> the issue is is that none of us can create more time okay therefore we need to carefully consider how we use the time that is given to us this means that we are to redeem the time that is given to us. Okay? Some may ask, well, well, how much time are we given? Well, we're each given 24 hours in a day, we're each given seven days in a week, and depending on what month we're in, we've got 28 days or 29 days, if it's leap year, 30 days, 31 days, yada yada. 365 days in a year. But the only reference to time as far as what we get as far as a lifetime is concerned, is found in Psalm 90, verse 10. Here's what it says. The days of our lives are 70 years. And if by reason of strength they are 80 years, yet their boast is only labor and sorrow. For it is soon cut off, we fly away. Yes, very sobering. Very sobering. It ought to sober us up. It ought to stimulate us to think clearly and say, what? What do I have to do? What can I accomplish? Listen, some lives are cut short because of tragedy, crime, war, whatever the situation is. But for the Christian, if we are careful to live wisely, we can make the most of the life that has been given to us. For example, on my mother's side of the family, all of my mother's aunts, including my my grandmother, which was her mom, and all of my grandmother's sisters, they were all blessed with a long life, a great length of life. One died at the age of 99, okay? And so what I have to do is I think and I say, well, Lord, perchance, perchance, this is what your word says that I could get my 70 years, but perchance, if by strength, I could possibly extend my life if I live wisely. Okay? And I could be more productive for the Lord. But what I have to do is I have to live with wisdom in view. I have to live with God's word and God's counsel in my ear. Okay? So perhaps we could extend our lives with what we've been entrusted with. But there is a reason that we are called to live this way. Okay? There is a reason that we are called to live this way. When the question is asked, how should we walk? That is referring to how we carry ourselves through this thing called life. Well, as Seventh day Adventist Christians, we're called to walk differently from the world for one very specific reason. Okay? We are to be different than the world. And there is a specific reason. We are called to live this way at this time in Earth's history. And here's the reason. I'm going to share it with you now. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 5, verse 16 says, We are to redeem the time because why? The days are evil, right? The days are evil. Now what does that mean, the days are evil? Well, we can go watch the news and we'll see a lot of evil on the world, right? Here's what it means. There's essentially two types of evil. There is moral evil, which is initiated by mankind and committed against mankind. Murder, rape, robbery, theft, etc., etc. Okay? But then there's what is known as natural evil. Storms, floods, earthquakes, and this is where people die. They're swept away by a flood. A tornado comes and destroys the home, and the people are killed there. Uh, There's an earthquake and a whole nation is paralyzed because of some great tragedy, okay? These are what is known as natural evil events, okay? But regardless of what type of evil we encounter in this world, we're called to live differently in how the world does so that we can be a witness to the world. The days are evil and so we have to live differently but we do so so that we can bear witness of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Do you have that hope today? Oh, you don't sound convincing. You know, Amen. The one sister. One sister out of 19 raised her hand. Give glory to God. All right, I see a few more. Okay, just make sure you're not swatting away flies That you really are waving your hand. Okay? Listen, that's serious stuff because you don't know the moment you leave here whether you're going to live and die. All of us, all of us are living with one foot on a banana peel. All of us. Okay? We don't know when our last breath is going to be taken. Okay? So, how should we walk? How should we walk? Well, to walk as a Seventh Day Adventist Christian, requires us to make a choice, to make a conscious, proactive choice. Not a you can't make a passive choice. Well, somebody will make a choice for you if you choose to sit on the fence, okay. But the idea is is that we are called to make a choice in this matter, to walk as a Seventh Day Adventist Christian requires us to make a choice. Listen, the Sabbath commandment says remember to keep the Sabbath day. Okay? In order to remember, you have to be proactive. And that's who we are. We're Seventh-day Adventists. We're not First-day Adventists. We observe the seventh day, and the Bible says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. So I say that to make this point. To walk as a Seventh-day Adventist Christian requires us to make a choice. Here's what the text says, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, because the days are evil, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Wow. Understand what the will of the Lord is. Do you understand what the will of the Lord is for your life? Do you understand his calling upon your life? Well, we have to choose to not live unwisely, but we need to understand what the will of the Lord is for our lives, for our families. My wife and I come to you and we pray. We pray for our children. We pray for our son. We're praying for all of our young people in the military and so on and so forth because we want the Lord to reveal his will for them. We pray for our Muslim friends. Why? Because we want the Lord to reveal his will to them. And ultimately, God's will is for everybody, everybody on planet Earth, to follow Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. That's God's will. okay? But there are other little details as well. He may have a specific calling for us, a specific duty, or a specific responsibility. If we remember, there was uh, the, uh, I believe it was the Apostle Paul, when he was converted... Uh, there was the gentleman, I forget the name of him at the moment, but he was instructed by God. He says, I want you to go to this house, this street, specifically, and go. You're going to find the Apostle Paul there, and you're going to pray for him, and, the escape, and he'll be able to see you again. Okay? So there may be a specific duty, a specific job that we have to do. For example, the, think about this. The history of Israel and even the world was changed by this one young boy going on an errand for his father. What am I talking about? Well, yes, King David, the, the children of Israel were at war with the Philistines. And uh, David, uh, Jesse had three, uh, eight sons, and three of the oldest ones were off, went off to war with the Philistines. They were in the camp of the Israelites. And Jesse sent David on an errand. He says, I want you to go take some bread and some cheese up to your brothers. Okay, and find out how they're doing and, and give some food to the king and his people and all this kind of stuff. So David went on this errand. That was the will of God at that moment. He had already been anointed king at this time, but now he was going to reveal, God was going to allow it to be revealed to the entire nation of Israel why this young man was ultimately chosen as the king. It's because when they went into the camp, there was a giant in the Philistines' camp right? And this giant kept challenging the children of Israel, where's your, send me out a fighter, send me your best, give me your best, come on, let's see your A game. Come on, day after day, morning and evening, morning and evening, for 40 days, 40 days. This went on and on and on and on. And eventually, you start hearing something for 40 days, morning and evening, morning and evening, it starts affecting your mind. And it affected the minds of the Israelites. Saul, the Bible describes, was head and shoulders above everybody else. He was a giant in his own realm. And he should have been the one to go out there and fight them. In fact, they wanted a king. And God said, all right, you want a king? This will be your king. But when it came time to fight this giant, Saul wasn't wasn't willing to go out. Okay, And that's because he had disconnected himself from the word of God. But what ended up happening was what when David saw this he said ha, who is this giant that's insulting the armies of God who is this how, how come nobody's taken care of this how come nobody has addressed this issue earlier and finally when he heard the challenge he sold the king I'll go out and fight him and The king said well you're just a boy you can't go out and fight him. it's impossible David says ha, look at my resume I took care of my father's sheep. And when there was a lion or a bear, I went out and killed that lion, and I killed that bear. And this giant will be the same as one of those beasts in the wild. You let me at him. Saul, of course, said, well, all right, we're going to go out against this guy. He's a champion from his youth. You're going to need to be well equipped. Here's my armor. Take my armor. David tried it on, and what did he say? He said, I reject this because I have to fight in my own armor. So he went he got five stones from the brook. He went out to meet that giant, right? He went out to meet that giant. And when the giant saw him, what did the giant say? The giant said, what are you sending out against me, a dog? Am I a, or he said, am I a dog that you should send me out this boy with a stick? Huh, you're insulting me. And he began to call curses down upon David and upon the children of Israel. What happened next, Rex? David says, you call down curses upon me, I'm going to call down curses upon you. Here's what's going to happen to you. By the end of this day, the birds are going to be feeding on your flesh. And this really got Goliath upset. So much so that he probably, he started running towards David and he perhaps just in grief Just knocked his helmet off or maybe he was running so fast his helmet came off or something happened. But David said, I've got you now, boy. And he put that stone in his sling, began swinging it, and he released that stone. And that stone struck the giant right in the head. Knocked him right out. And then David quickly took action and grabbed the giant's sword and cut off Goliath's head. When the children of Israel saw that, they got riled up like you'd never seen before. And they chased after those Philistines, and those Philistines, they ran like dogs. We have to know the will of the Lord for our lives. The history of Israel changed on that point. Because. Somebody was willing to do this menial little task. That was the will. He was obedient to his father. That's the will. Of the, to obey your parents is the will of the Lord. His father, I said, son, do this. He said, All right. But when he went and responded to that simple error, errand, the entire history of the nation was changed for that one. We need to discern the will of the Lord. How are we going to do that? Well, prayer. Listen to this, in Heavenly Places, page 86. The way to the throne of God is always open. You cannot always be on your knees in prayer, but your silent petitions may constantly ascend to God for strength and guidance. When tempted as you will be, you may flee to the secret place of the Most High, and His everlasting arms will be where. Underneath you. Underneath you. It doesn't matter where you go, young or old. God is present there. We can reach out to Him silently in prayer. Okay, so we can discern God's will for our lives through prayer. But what else? Is there something else that we need to guide us? Listen to this, Steps to Christ, page 89. The Bible was not written for the scholar alone. On the contrary, it was designed for the common people. The great truths necessary for salvation are made as clear as noonday. And listen to this none will mistake and lose their way except those who follow their own judgment instead of the plainly revealed will of God. In other words, God reveals His will for us in this book. And if we read it prayerfully and carefully and apply it to our lives, we will not mistake God's will for our lives. It's when we deviate from that that we will follow our own judgment instead of the plain, revealed Word of God. So, in addition to prayer, is personal study of the Word of God for ourselves, okay? So, how should we walk? How should we walk? Well, when we understand what the will of the Lord is, the Lord will require us to make specific changes in our lives, amen? When we choose to follow the Lord, there will be things that we will have to do that God will require of us personally in order to follow His plan. For example, David was required to go to meet his brothers in the camp. Okay, We talked about this in Sabbath school. Jesus requires one thing differently from the rich young ruler than he required of Nicodemus. To the rich young ruler, he said, you are to sell everything that you have and give, your, give their possessions to the poor, your money to the poor, and then come and follow me. If you want to know the will of God, that's what the will of God requires of you. Okay? To Nicodemus, he needed to be born again. He was a great teacher in Israel, a ruler in Israel, but he did not have comprehension of the most sublime spiritual truth in all of Scripture, that we need a regenerated heart if we are to enter the kingdom of God. And he was to seek that out. That's the, what Jesus was putting on him. Nicodemus, I'm telling you again. He told it to him twice, and then he explained it. And then he even challenged him. He says, you're a teacher in Israel. You don't understand this? He was getting in Nicodemus's face. Okay? So when we understand what the will of the Lord is, it will require us to make changes in our lives. What changes may we have to make? Here's what the text says. I'm not saying it. The Bible says it. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Whoa. Do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Well, in the context of how we should walk as Christians, Paul specifically singles out the use of alcoholic beverages. Now, of course, he doesn't list everything that's listed in our day. You know, we've got vodka, we've got Jack Daniels, we've got... But the point is, is that if we are to walk into the kingdom, there are things that we have to give up to the Christian at this point in time, for them, he was saying wine and that may still apply to us today who may be partaking of those habits. I don't know for our online audience, I don't know for anybody over here. But I know that that belief is encroaching upon Seventh-day Adventist Christians. I've known Seventh-day Adventist Christians who have embraced say, well, wine is good. You know, the, the reports, the research says it's good for your heart. Well, I told you earlier, we are to walk wisely, not as unwisely, and we are to walk carefully. We are to be cautious as we move forward. We are to do so with prudence. Why? Because not everything that's put in our path is good or beneficial for us. Okay? Paul specifically singles out the use of alcoholic beverages, and in this text, wine. He makes the point that the consumption of wine is dissipation. That's another big $27 herd. Okay? dissipation. Another four syllables. What does it mean? It means the squandering of money, energy, and resources. Okay? In other words, stop and think for a moment, give thought to this, what kind of, if if you participate in this, or it could be something else, you know, because right now <clears throat> the government has given a green light on uh, medical marijuana. And you can drive down the street, and if you're stopped long enough at a traffic light, you can smell this stuff. Right? I, I know. I, in Hartford and some of these other places. You can smell it. And a few years ago, the government said it was wrong. <clears throat> now the government says it's right. So were they wrong the first time, and they're right now, or were they right then and wrong now? Well, we'll just never know, I guess, right? Which means that we have to study God's Word for ourselves, okay? And there's a principle that's being laid out here. He says, do not be drunk with wine. We could put in marijuana. We could put in a host of other things. We could put in gambling. We could put in all these other things, which is dissipation. Because what we're doing is we're, God has given us time, talents, and treasure, the ability to make, a means for our living and for our and provide for our family <coughs> excuse me and so that we can go and <coughs> put a roof over our head food on our table but then we spend a little extra <coughs> excuse me so that we can live in dissipation okay and we squander we squander what god has given to us <coughs> We squander our money, our energy, and our resources. What kind of a church would we be like if we were to squander the best of what God provides for us on things that only harm the body and the fabric of society? Okay. Praise God there's an alternative. Amen? <clears throat> what is that alternative? We can be filled with God's Spirit. Yes, amen is right. There is an alternative. Whatever the world offers, God has an alternative. Amen? And whatever God offers, the devil has an alternative. And so that's where this great controversy comes in, which is why we need to walk, what, circumspectly. Because as we go through life, (coughs) we're presented with different ideas, philosophies, ideals, and so on and so forth. And it's only through prayer And the study of the Word of God that we can discern our way as we maneuver through life. We can be filled with God's Spirit. So the question I have here at the end is this. How many of you want to be filled with God's Spirit today? Amen. Amen. Okay. So, how should we walk? Well, we should walk. How should we walk as Seventh-day Adventist Christians? We should walk not as fools, but as what? As wise as mine. Let's pray. Father in heaven you saw the hands that were raised here in response to that question. How many want to be filled with the Spirit of God? You have given us an alternative to what the world offers and it's my prayer that everybody within listening of this message and those who may watch in the future would be blessed. That the grace And the power of your Holy Spirit would fall afresh on us today. That we would be filled with your Spirit. Because we're called to live wisely, not as fools. Not as fools. So bless us to this end, we pray. Grace us with your presence. And we thank you, Lord, for hearing and answering this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.